Ahoy, welcome to a brand new episode of Baffled. Uh, this is the podcast that takes facts and decides whether they are incredible, whether they deserve to be shared, or if they need to be shoved in the bin of nonsense. My name is Dan, thank you for being there. Connor is also here. How are we doing? Mark's here as well. Hello. And uh, it's Guest Fest. It's November. Joining us today, actor from uh, Bad Education, from Afterlife. He's in Horrible Histories now as well. Ethan Lawrence, thank you so much for being there. I'm very happy to be here. Hello, boys. How are you? Well, we join you. We we find you in deepest, darkest Essex. What's it like today? Uh, it's uh, it's dark. It's gloomy. Uh, it's um, it's threatening to rain the entire time. Uh, I, I can't I can't say it's an edifying experience, honestly. I'll be honest. I thought Essex got sunnier when Connor left it, so I'm quite impressed that Connor is here in London and Essex is still miserable. Yeah, Ethan, I love. Yeah, but you're you. from Brentwood, aren't you? That's outer London. Yeah, uh, Brentwood, out, outer London. I love you already, Ethan. We're Essex boys at heart, aren't we? Well, I mean, you're out and out of London, boy. I'm a proper Essex boy because I live near a farm. What I like is 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 that you, you you have been trying to be like, yeah, I'm an Essex boy, Essex boy. We finally get someone from Essex on. He's like, no, yeah. no, you're a Brentwood. You are yeah. not Essex. Get out. I don't want you. Don't need you. Yeah, that's what happens. Essex is countryside, mate. It's not an urban environment. It no. really isn't. Um, right. Let's not let's not fall out with a with a famous person <laughs> within the first five minutes of the show. <laughs> 
Oh, because oh, because they had such a low budget to start with, right? There we go. So yeah, microscopic budget, a major success at the box office. The 2007 film Paranormal Activity scored a return investment of 19,758%. Per- uh, yeah, it blew away the next most profitable film, which was The Gallows, another horror film. Um, the reason horror films always do this is, yeah, low budgets and, and loads of money to be made. So it cost $60,000 to make the film and it made That's it. and it made 89 million I mean I mean fair fair play if you've invested in that movie well I thought about it paranormal activity from I mean Ethan you're on sets quite a lot Dan's done a bit um, <laughs> I, I think that uh, it's pretty much just the rental of a house isn't it I mean near enough I mean they, they the actors I think as well are using their own names like you know it's I mean, I mean to be honest with you what, what are you spending your money on you're spending your money on like night vision cameras yeah, bit of crew running around. Something like, to go know, bang. The... Something to go bang. Yeah, mm. no, it's all real, Dan. I mean, that can all be done in posts anyway, with just foley work. So I guess so. Weirdly enough, I am um, over the course of um, October for sort of like spoopy month. Uh, me and a couple of my friends got together and we watched the entirety of the Saw franchise. Oh, uh, from one all the way through to the recent Spiral. And uh, Saw One is another one that costs like well about four p to make. And made umpteen bajillion at the box office. How many? How many have there been? Uh, so, uh, Spiral represents the ninth in it, the it, uh, in the franchise. In your opinion, at what point? Like, at what point do they go down? At what point do they lift up? Is the new one Spiral? Is is that the one with? Is that the the one with the the moderately famous actor who's Timi- got, Timothy Chris Rock? Chris Rock. That's it. He's reinvented it, right? Yeah. So it's Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson. Chris Rock exact produced. It's not. They're sort of framing it as it not being part of the main story, like it's because it, it's called the full name is Spiral from the Book of Saw, Oof. and so it's kind of like set in the Saw universe but not featuring any of the main Saw guys. Uh, I hadn't seen it until literally a couple of days ago. It's quite good. Okay, so uh, horror horror films are maybe a bit of you than Ethan. You like a horror film? Oh, I love a horror film, mate. So I really enjoyed October. So you, you would you would just watch Paranormal Activity, really, because it's a horror film. It actually they only spent four hundred thousand dollars on marketing as well, so they they spent no money at all. It, it it cost shy of half a million to do this bloody film, and it made eighty nine million pounds in return. If I may, I'm going to take the the second fact of the show, just because this is also about movies. Uh, have you seen the new Bond film, Mark? I have not. Connor? I'm going tomorrow. Uh, Ethan, have you seen No Time to Die? I have not, no. Fantastic. <laughs> right, so you got so a backup back. Without, <laughs> without spoiling it, without, without spoiling it at all, uh, that, you know, it's no spoiler to say in the Bond film there's a car chase. Oh my God, you've ruined it all for me. That what? A, that was in the trailer. Was it Sorry. an Aston Martin? So he's, uh, Bond is driving uh, an Aston Martin around the cobbled streets of Matera, which is in Italy. Problem is they didn't have sufficient grip for the film, for the, for the car chase kept sliding around all the, all the time they were worried about crashes to the car injuries to people insurance claims so the crew got around it to make the streets stickier they poured coca-cola all over the road i love wow. every bit of this fact I, this is great, that is great. Uh, also what's really interesting about the car chase scenes in bond there's a youtube video up i encourage everybody to go and watch it which shows you the equipment that they fit around these cars for filming purposes mm. i mean it is it looks like a, you can't even see the car Looks like a robot. It's incredible. Um, why I brought this to the table, I thought, Ethan, this might be an opportunity. I don't want to put you on the spot, but you know, aside okay. from my, aside from my uh, award-winning stint, my much 
my, my much mentioned appearance in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and the film Closer. Uh, you, you've spent many, many, many more times on film sets than we have. Can you just like indulge us in a few secrets of what actually happens? Well, I mean, first of all, you mentioned two films there. So you've only been in one less film than me. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to hazard a guess. You were in those films a lot more than I was. Um, potentially, but you know, I, I can't, I can either confirm or deny. Well, uh, let me no, just, I can't, I can't speak to your experience. Um, oh. Don't worry, Ethan, let me speak for you. Yes, you were. Yeah, I, yeah. I were in those films a heck of okay. a lot more than, than Dan was. Every, Dan was in more deleted scenes for Harry Potter also, than he every, was in actual scenes. Everybody, just crack, just crack yourself a beer or something like that. Sit back and just listen to two actors chat. Go on, Dan. This is this is the new spin-off. Actor talks to actor. <laughs> this is this is yeah, isn't it? It's like in in an inside an actor's that, studio. Dan's like, oh, those green rooms, eh? They're raw oh, bloody work. They are. The amount of times I've asked for a rider <laughs> and they don't give it to me. Seriously, stop. So, well, you've just been on you, TV sets. You know, the Bad Education series, Afterlife. Like, are there? Do you know of some secrets of what happens in films and on the screen that we would never suspect? Like, I wouldn't think that they'd pour Coca Cola of all things over a street to make it stickier i just like anything like that well let's talk about then the process of being stabbed in the hand with a knife oh yes for example yes please i'm here uh, for this so this happened to me in the bad education movie um since we're talking films each one of you how would you convincingly portray on camera a knife going into a hand I mean, it depends how much I like that person because if 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 I'm you know <laughs> if it's Connor, I might just go for the real thing. I would I would probably if it was me on set, I would get and this sounds ridiculous, yes, but I'd probably get one of those knives where the blade are plastic and they go into the handle. I would do that and then use oh, After like a, Effects. Like a trick knife. Yeah, and then use After Effects. Uh, Ethan, are you talking about because as as all act- actors know, us included, it's like it doesn't really matter what the props like. It, it's more how we portray it on our on, with our performance, right? Yeah, yeah. Did Dan have to eat an apple in the Great Hall? So, uh, <laughs> what, are you talking about the blood? Like, like, surely fake blood. Just fake blood, a lot of screaming, people will believe you. So this is how it was done. Around my hand was a wrap of like kind of a kind of a prosthetic thing, sort of kind of made my uh, the back of my hand look kind of fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had one, one shot where Jack slams the knife down. Oh, sorry, sorry, we Ethan. Then sorry, sorry, Ethan. Jack, Jack, who? Go on, name drop. You're welcome. Who was it? Jack, who? It was, it was, it was Jack Whitehall. Oh. If people know about bad education, they know who's in it. I yeah. feel like we, I feel like we're beyond that point, aren't we? Yeah, maybe. Surely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So we get a shot of him slamming the knife down. We then cut to a shot of a knife with a rounded edge inside a slit inside the prosthetic on my hand, from which blood is emerging. Mm. But here's the way the human mind works. A lot of people will remember the knife going into the hand. It didn't happen. It never happened. Clever editing made it look like it did. Well, we've been lied to. So that whole process, Ethan, how long did that take to film? Uh, so this this whole bit um, featured the knife stab. It then went backwards, like got covered in alcohol, went backwards into a fire stunt. Uh, so this took half a day Wow. Uh, for the whole setup. There was a lot of crew around. Um, I had to go through some safety training with regards to being on fire, wow. uh, which led to one of the best quotes that I've ever heard from anyone ever. Uh, so my hand was on fire. The, the whole idea was my arm catches light. Yeah. And uh, so the stuntman took me aside and like I'd all been wrapped up. I had like, you know, pyros ready to go. I was covered in like this, uh, this gel to make sure that it, it stands and everything's safe. And the stuntman pulled me aside and he said, right, rule number one about being set on fire. Hmm. 
your instinct is going to be to panic. Don't. <laughs> I mean, any at that point, I'd be like, anything else? You want to tell me how not to panic, how to deal with this? It's just don't panic. Does it? Does it just fit? Don't panic, mate. Just don't panic. Fine. Does it? Does it, like stupid question? Is it hot? It didn't feel hot. So like the gel. How best to describe this? The gel. When it, have you ever had like menthol chewing gum? Mm, yeah, lots yeah, of yeah. it. Yeah. You know how when you breathe after having just chewed it down a bit, like your breath sort of feels cold going through your mouth? An air waves, blue. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. You know that feeling? You sort of breathe and it feels cold. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Imagine that, but it's your arm. Wow. And like every time you move it, it feels really cold. Oh, I enjoy that. Uh, Ethan, go on, give us your first fact of the show. Okay, uh, so my fact is, um, if you live in the Shetland Islands, north of Scotland... Your local Ikea is in Norway. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of my favourite facts we've ever had on this show. Ethan, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? I'm walking on quite a fine line with Baffled. I mean, I've almost lost my seat in this podcast weekly. You've come in, you've been great, you've provided a great fact. So I think I'll be out of a job by the end of the week, won't I, Mark? I mean, I'm not going to rule it out. I'm not going to rule it out. That's crazy. Would you like some bonus information? Oh, he's immediately better than Connor. Yep, he's done research. Bring us the bonus. Okay, so um, if you live in the Shetland Islands, which if you look at a map of England, just at the top of the United Kingdom, sorry. If you look just up at the sort of the the northeastern corner, there's a small collection of islands uh, in the North Sea. Uh, From there, if you travelled 228 miles east, you'd arrive in the Norwegian city of Bergen, uh, which has an Ikea. Mm -hmm. However, if you wanted to get to an Ikea in the British Isles, I'm sorry, you've got to go to Edinburgh. And that's 312 miles south. I thought you were just generally saying, sorry, you've got to go to Edinburgh. This is wonderful. That's crazy, isn't it? I love facts like that. Really mind-blowing as well. Do you reckon they've got a ferry that is called like the Ikea ferry that purely just goes to Norway? The Ikea Uber bike. Right, I've looked this up. Oh, oh, I've looked this up as well. I'm loving Ethan's work. There we go then. Because I thought to myself... If you want to get IKEA furniture to the Shetland Islands, you're going to have to go over sea either way. Because yes. from Norway, you've got to travel over the North Sea, or from Edinburgh, you've got to go up on a ferry. It turns out there is an IKEA delivery freight service that travels every two weeks from Edinburgh to the Shetland Islands. <laughs> um, it's a designated freight agent. Um, so, yeah, they collect from IKEA's Edinburgh Depot every other Thursday. Uh, and they transport it up to the island of Lerick. Lerick, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, right. At the very reasonable charge of 150 quid for a full IKEA pallet. This seems like my kind of thing, because I will be honest with you. I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at moving out right now, okay? What? Are you thinking Shetland? Uh, no, hear, hear me out a minute. I'm looking at moving out with my, with my girlfriend, and we, we've done a few IKEA runs. We're buying bits as, as, as we're going along. It is an absolute nightmare to fit IKEA stuff into your boot. At least with this, you don't have to think about it. The big, Privacy, front door. Biggest thing about it is, what do people want to do, though, uh, Ethan, if they're those people that, oh, I'm just going to go down to Ikea on a Friday night to have the meatballs. You know those people. The people that don't know anything, they're just going for the meatballs, they're going for the dime bars. How do we fulfil their needs? Well, the, you can get a direct ferry to Bergen if you wanted to do the Norway one, but that'll be an overnighter. So, you know, you, know, you might... Uh, a long way you might to still go. be hungry yeah. afterwards. You can get a plane from Lerwick to the mainland, but then you'd only be able to get, to, I think, to Inverness, and you'd have to drive south from there. So either way, it's a fair old whack. Can you imagine the extra baggage costs if you're flying, trying to get a Billy bookcase on? Uh, Ethan, can I? Can you reveal to us? Uh, you've done quite extensive research. 
how 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 bit how thick how how long is the amount of notes that you've got for that fact uh one paragraph right so here's the thing uh as well as the tuesday episode of baffle we do we do a friday one it's called connor explains we take something big connor you've met him he explains it to us uh that's about a 20 minute episode which he comes with and it is his job for money he comes with about a sentence so you, you've you've surpassed you've surpassed that. We thank you very much for it. I just sort of felt that you you wouldn't be happy with me unless I'd sort of like actually put a bit of work in. Bit well, of right. See, this is the thing, Ethan. You've realised that, and you've never been on this podcast before. Connor has done a hundred episodes, still doesn't care. You've also got a brain that asks, "What's next?" You know, it's not just oh, okay. There's a you know the, the nearest one is in Bergen. Oh, is there a ferry? What do you do? Is there a competitive delivery service? I, I'm, I'm a big fan. Big fan of your work. Well, I, th- I think if you wanted to buy from Bergen, if you wanted to get from the IKEA Bergen, the problem then is that you'd have to pay import tax. Yeah, on it. E- uh, and EU especially at the moment, and like, that customs going to be sky see, high. What, what you're doing there, Ethan, is you're reading between the lines. You're thinking about the next bit. Well, if, if I'm ever if I'm ever in the Shetland Islands and desperately need like a table or something, like I, I don't have the carpentry skills to hew it out of some wood, yeah. but I can Google IKEA. Absolutely. Yeah. Although yeah. it is a little bit like the bins. If you miss them, you got to wait for another two weeks until yeah. you get around. Absolutely. Mark, give us your first fact of the podcast. A duet sung by Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson remained unfinished because Freddie Mercury walked out of the recording. Why? He couldn't tolerate Michael Jackson bringing his pet llama into the studio. Yeah, absolute piss take. It was a llama in the studio when you're trying to be creative. They spit a lot as well, llamas. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even... I mean... Noisy, smelly. Noisy, smelly. I'm not much of a singer, but when I'm in my creative mode... (laughs) which is, you know, weekly. I don't need llamas around. Yeah, apparently they really didn't get on. So according to Jim Beach, who used to manage Freddie Mercury, uh, Freddie was like, get me out of here. I'm recording with a llama. Meanwhile, Michael Jackson was more worried about the fact that Freddie was doing recreational drugs during the, uh, during the recording Do you know what really, really fun? I just see it as rude. Yeah, but I'm a big fan of you would like creative eccentricity oh, it's not creative it's it's, it's, it's creative arseholeness you yeah. do not need a llama with you i think look ethan you're again closer to getting this than we are to being like a, a like a, am i i'm not a recording no, artist no 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 but you've been in movies so they, you're closer to being hollywood's golden child than we are if you ever made it to be you know Huge, 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 huge in Hollywood. Would you become a bit of an eccentric arsehole, do you reckon? Uh, no, I, I think I, that sort of behaviour annoys me. What's the most eccentric actor behaviour you've ever experienced in your whole stint in performing? Um, this isn't really that eccentric, <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway, because honestly, the people I've worked with have been generally fairly normal. Great. Well, I haven't noticed any sort of outrageous behaviour, um, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to drop Ian Glenn in it. Okay. Um, Ian Glenn... Uh, Jorah Mormont off of Game of Thrones and everything like that. Unless he's in costume, I have never once seen him wear anything other than flip-flops on his feet. Okay. <laughs> hey, sometimes you get to a point where you're like, hey, I'm Ian Glenn, I'm just going to wear flip-flops. He's chilled, 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 chilled. I'm just going to wear flip-flops. I, I, I like the fact that, that, that I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's quite a come down from bringing a llama into the studio, so everyone you work with has been very nice. Uh, but yeah, I'm a big fan. Ian Glenn, he's in that show that's absolutely huge out in Ireland, isn't it? Do you know that? What, Game of Thrones? No, is it Jack? No. I think it's Jack Taylor. Game of Thrones? <laughs> yeah, Jack Taylor. Right, so this is, this is you know, he's, in a, he's, he's absolutely huge. Like, you would, you would know him if you saw him, but he's like, a, it's a huge show in Ireland. I remember going over there and everyone was all over Jack Taylor. Really? No, yeah. No. So how was this resolved? 
Uh, it wasn't. The song then never, ever got finished. So Freddie Mercury then released it. It's called There Must Be More to Life Than This on his solo album without Michael Jackson. Then in um, in the 2000s, when Freddie Mercury had obviously died by that point, Michael Jackson had just died as well. Queen decided to remix what they did have of it and make it work as a duet, and then they released that. Bloody MJA. Llama. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Yeah. Don't get right on my wick. Do you want another Freddie Mercury anecdote? Yes, yes please. Uh, this one involving Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols. Yes. Even better. Carry on. Uh, so Sid Vicious attempted to break into a Queen recording st- uh, session when they were in uh, somewhere. Uh, but he stumbled in, drunk out of his mind, and addressed Freddie Mercury saying, have you succeeded in bringing ballet to the masses yet? At which point Freddie Mercury stood up, stormed over to Sid Vicious and said, who are you, Stanley Ferocious or something? That's quick, and then isn't it? Pushed him out the door. That's yeah. quick. Get nice. out the door. See you later. And it always, and it, like whenever Sid Vicious is mentioned, you have to remind yourself that he was in Jack Fowler, which is a big show in, in Ireland, of course. Twenty-one years old when he died. Twenty-one. Staggering. Like this, this life he's lived before he's twenty-one years old. It always amazes me that these things happen. Uh, thank you very much. An impromptu Freddie Mercury fact. Always a fan. Hey, no worries. Listen, listen Ethan, uh, we're not in the business of judging the facts we've had so far, but we've had one round of four. Is there any of those that are going to stick in your mind more than the rest? Uh, I'm going to... Th- uh, the llama really got me because that's such that's such dreadful like behaviour in a recording studio because I, I've done voiceover before. And when you go to those places, those recording booths are small. They are small and they are hot. And if there's a llama in there, I, I can't even, I, no, I can't even picture it. It's dreadful. You've worked with Jack Whitehall. He was, you know, he, he has now grown into a much bigger star than he was at the start of Bad Education, it's fair to say. Have you noticed that? I mean, it's been 10 years. You'd hope the career trajectory yeah. would be straight up, wouldn't you? Have you seen him recently? Does he now have a pet llama? Uh, I haven't seen him recently. As far as I'm aware, he doesn't have a pet llama. There we go. But that is as far as I'm aware. There we go. That's the exclusive right there. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mum's the Word is a brand new parenting podcast hosted by me, Ashley James. Pregnancy, piles, and all the other problems that come with parenting, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Join me each week on my journey through motherhood as we celebrate the amazing highs as well as the lows. As it's my first time, we'll have celebrities, experts, and hopefully you guys too who will help me figure out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. Find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search Mum's the Word. Thank you for listening, by the way. If there's something that you would like Connor to explain for you in the next episode, it's info at bafflepod.com. You can always get in touch with us at bafflepod on Instagram and on TikTok too. Uh, Connor, what's your second fact of the show? Someone tried to sell New Zealand on eBay. Did they succeed? What did they get? $10? $15? Uh, yeah, well, so we're going to have a little, little, little look at this. There's been a lot of odd things on eBay that people have tried to sell. Mm. One being grilled cheese sandwiches. Somebody claimed that they do the best ones, so they made an eBay for that. Um, another one said that they had Justin Timberlake's half-eaten French toast, and they put that on eBay. How do you prove that? I don't know. But yeah, New Zealand was listed in 2006. The listing described the country as the dodgiest American Cup winner ever. Cup win ever. And it said it has very ordinary weather. So quite a nice place, ordinary weather. Despite those selling points, the ridiculous auction gained a ton of interest. Uh, the starting bid was one cent. And after 6,000 hits and 22 bids, the selling price for New Zealand climbed to $3,000. And then eBay clocked it. Is that it? it? Yeah, 3000 yeah. And then eBay clocked it. Well, I think is that it is more of a sense of idiots that bid on it. Yeah, yeah. But, they, no, but, they know, but they know they're never going to buy it. And they don't have to give any money. So it's more a case of them just being part of this, you know... We, well, being part of the fuss. Oh, I would definitely sit there at a 3K bid. I don't know about everyone, Ethan. I don't know how you feel about this, but £3,000 on a bid for a stupid thing that's trying to sell a country, I'd be worried that it's going to come out of my PayPal and I'm three grand short. I'd be like, oh, no. I would be worried about that. Yeah, I'd be like, how am I going to get a refund? I, 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 haven't, I haven't got three grand to spend on a country. M- may I May I mention, when I where I grew up was a town called Bracknell, uh, near Reading in Berkshire and it was uh, like one of the th- things it was famous for loosely was it had this bandstand the town bandstand and it was a bit crap because Bracknell was a bit crap when they renovated the town um, I-, I think they sold it on eBay I mean if, I mean if you can get it for cheap yeah I, can't, I don't know how much it went for maybe it was you know jovial pranksters like these guys but um, yeah I, me- I remember seeing it for sale on eBay do we know that it was jovial pranksters and not just New Zealand genuinely trying to sell the country because they just needed a bit of cash yeah no 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 yeah the guy was just having a laugh and seeing how far he could go with it and he got to three grand which I actually say hats off really I think that's an achievement you, you, can, you can buy I've there's always wanted... one detail that's bugging me yeah please yeah. 
Uh, and that is, he, he mentioned that they, they cheated in some kind of cup or what was it? The America's Cup. Mm. Sailing, isn't it? Yeah, the America's Cup. So is this just a, an angry sports fan? It seems like such a weird thing to list at the top of the listing. Well, do you reckon he got home and he was like, damn it, this is it. This damn is it. it. That is the unfairest win ever. You yeah. know what I'll do to get them back? I'll sell them on eBay. Oh, sell them on eBay. Their whole country. It's, it seems like such a petty thing to put in a listing. I think it's kind of hilarious, though. Like, can you imagine having a WhatsApp group with your ma- like chat with your mates and being like, lads, I've put New Zealand on eBay. It's, it's at two and a half grand. I think you should. I think you. I think you're the kind of wacky individual that mm. would do this. Yeah, I'll probably give it a go. A yeah. wheeler dealer. I yeah. just wouldn't know how to list it. Yeah, you are. You and he's from the he's from the Brentwood type of Essex, which is very wheeler dealer, isn't it? Wheeler dealer, a spiv, yeah, of sorts. Absolutely. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you can buy islands, though, can't you? You can do. Yeah, I'm at currently on privateislandsonline.com. Because yeah. Branson did it with Necker. I'm always really annoyed about that that he managed to pick up this island dirt cheap. You can buy Pumpkin Key in Florida, 26 acres, for 95 million US dollars. Beautiful. Yeah, think that's that's cheaper wow. than some house. I think it's the you know. I think it's always, obviously a dream to one of my dreams to own an island. But what a ball ache! I mean, I do often look at this site just to, you, what, you, you uh, know, like when you look at houses, going, I'll never afford those. For me, it's islands. I will just what? look at islands and go, oh, I want to uh, buy look, that. Think of the logistics: you got water, staff, sanitation, Wi-Fi. But you're a billionaire. You got to think where your next IKEA is. Billionaire. You know what I mean? I have a question. Go ahead. On these island listings, are they listed as furnished or unfurnished? <laughs> There's one called Ginger Island. Shall I get that? Do you just hey! all, do you all go over there, Dior, and chat I mean, about? I, yeah, I didn't. Well, see, that's what I thought, but now I realise it's in the Caribbean, and there is no way that if gingers decided to go one place on earth, it would be somewhere <laughs> where there's sun. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a big tent. <laughs> maybe it's all all undercover for you. <laughs> Right, my second fact of the show, let me tell you a story. You know the Lamborghini car brand? I've heard of them, yes. The Lamborghini car brand originally started as a tractor company. Wow. Uh, The the guy who ran it, Mr. Lamborghini, uh, wanted to buy a car. He bought a car, a Ferrari, bought it from Enzo Ferrari. Had a few problems with the Ferrari, went back to Enzo Ferrari, said, look, mate, I've got some problems with with my car. Ferrari said to him, well, I'm not taking any car advice from a tractor driver. Oh, I mean, why would you? And that spurred him on to the point where he thought, well, I know about cars. I know about cars to the extent I'm going to make a car. And he made the Lamborghini. The reason Lamborghini exists was because of an insult by Enzo Ferrari. Wow. I don't know if I was talking to someone who owns and operates a tractor Mm. that I'd want to criticise them too heavily because that implies that they work on farms and farmers are strong. (laughs) <laughs> and they also carry guns. And then Lamborghini went on to obviously do what they've done now. And would you say Lamborghini bigger than Ferrari? No, I wouldn't say they're bigger than Ferrari, but, you know, they're up there. They're in the conversation. They're in the conversation, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, it's supercars, isn't it? So it's already kind of a niche. Yeah. I feel like they've missed like, out in not making super tractors. I tend to kind of, when I walk in, when I walk into my garage, I always kind of pick the Lambo over the Ferrari. It uh, depends, depends yeah. on the day of the week. I yeah. feel like Thursday, prime Ferrari I find, day. I find the Lamborghini's good for the sort of round city. Ferrari's a little bit more special occasions, you know, a bit of sushi with the missus, you know, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not only that, he's yeah. a thief. Ferruccio oh. Lamborghini confessed he never actually invented anything, moreover just improved on other people's work. Again, I'm getting this from a website. If anyone from Lamborghini is listening... Please don't sue me. Uh, he, he used the 12-cylinder motor of Ferrari and just said, you know what, I can make this a bit better, so made it a bit better. Wow. There we go. But I feel like that's how 
everything like, gets done. on cars always works, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, the, the best bit about this fact for me is the fact that in your mind, obviously living today, you have the vision of a Lamborghini. But Lamborghini was once the vision of a tractor. And I kind of enjoy that. The fact that when you thought Lamborghini, you thought of a tractor. Be nice to have a souped up tractor. Yeah. Be, yeah. Uh, you're, uh, Ethan, are you into your cars? Uh, not really. I have a car. Ooh. I drive around in it. Ooh. What do you what do you, know. you drive, Ethan? What car driver are you? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, my car's red. Nice. Don't know if you know that kind of car. It's red. <laughs> yeah, red car. Yeah, sounds like a yeah. kind of you car. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, very much so. Uh, <laughs> in the sense that I I own it. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. Ethan, give us your uh, give us your second fact of the show, please, mate. One of the earliest attempts to record the speed of sound was done by a vicar with a shotgun. God. So right here we go. So many questions. So yeah. So. Uh, what 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 do I want to ask for? All right, give me give me a, give me a, a, a year. Uh, so this was um, done by a guy called William Durham, mm. uh, who was the rector of Upminster. Okay, uh, oh. not too far from Essex. Bloody legend. Um, <laughs> uh, between uh, he was the rector there between 1689 and 1735, and he performed this, I believe, in 1728. What? How much of an official like attempt was it? I can't imagine there were many worldwide decisions on who's breaking the speed of sound back in the 16th century. So many scientists in white coats. Well, as well as being a, as, as a rector and a theologian, he was also kind of an early scientist. They weren't sort of really described as scientists back then. It was more kind of a, like, you know, natural philosophy, they used to call it. Mm. Uh, but he was interested in finding out how the world works around him and figured that um, like sound had a speed. And so the way he did it is that he stood on the top of his church tower uh, with a telescope. Uh, One of his assistants was several miles away and fired the shotgun. As soon as he saw the flash and the gun smoke, he started measuring time with a half second pendulum. And then basically they repeated that to find like the averages and get rid of any inaccuracies. The final result that they came to was 1,116 feet per second. Uh, using modern instruments, we now know that the actual measurement of the speed of sound is 1,115 feet per second. Oh, wow. I was going to say, I didn't think they get close at all because there's so much that comes, there's so many variables. Uh, it's it's well, it was, well, Really, the variable is it's one person's judgment, trying to, figure, trying to look at the light, then trying to look at the pendulum. Like There's a lot going on. The fact that they've got so close is... Mental. Well, I think it's because he treated it with like actual scientific rigor. Like you know, he repeated it. He made sure mm. that the um, inconsistencies were averaged out. And uh, yeah, I, I just thought that was fascinating that someone someone worked on that. It feels like so long ago. Like you know, that's nearly well, it's, yeah, well, over three hundred years ago. I mean, fair play to him, Connor. What's going through your mind? Yeah, I mean, science is not my forte. I'm still trying to work out. There's a part of me right now which is sitting there thinking, I wonder what color a Lamborghini tractor would be. <laughs> Well, it's good to know that I grabbed your attention, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I find it, I, I do find this interesting. It's just me trying to get my head around it. I do find quite difficult with science, but the actual concept of it is, is crazy. I just don't really get it. Do, do you know anything else about the what the vicar did? Like, there was, a, a, did he do any other like bafflingly eccentric things? Uh, I mean, not so much. I mean, he, he was the rector at this parish for, for like ages and ages. Like, you know, uh, like I said, from the 1600s through to the 1700s, he was there about 50 years in the end. Um, I mean, he's he was educated at Oxford Trinity College. Oh, very nice. Um, Lovely. He's worked here. He wrote four books. Um, one was called The Artificial Clockmaker. Uh, he wrote a book on physico theology. 
uh, Christotheology and Astrotheology, where he basically tried to explain science by way of the existence of God. Oh, you don't need to tell us what 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 he tried to do. Connor's read them all. You've got yeah. them all in show, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Christo Christotheology. Yeah. Which one was your favourite? Physicotheology, Christotheology, or Astrotheology? Yeah, Astrotheology for me. You like the one about the clocks as well, didn't it you? It was a great read. Really good audio book version as well. Yeah. Yeah. A demonstration of the being and attributes of God from a survey of the heavens was the subtitle. That was what gripped me, actually, when I read that subtitle. That was when I was like, oh, Prime The, the survey of the heavens. Yeah, I'll get that on Amazon Prime. Instant purchase. Do you know what books really miss nowadays? A good subtitle. Most books from the old days had a really worthy and wordy subtitle, quite, and they don't do these you anymore. You really make old man comments, don't you? <laughs> Ethan, I do have to say, very, very good facts as well today. Two strong facts, I think, from Ethan, don't you? I do, yeah. I'm very much considering seeing if he's free when you go on holiday. Yeah, Ethan, if you're ever around, you can always cover me. Well, he's not really covering, so don't be I'll, I'll, anyway. I'll be happy to cover for you. Yeah. All you need to really do is bring a line with you with a fact, and you've done more than I have, so... <laughs> <laughs> Mark, give us your last fact of the podcast. It's another animal one for you. When President Andrew Jackson, he was the he was America's seventh president, when he died, his pet parrot attended the funeral. But he had to be removed because he wouldn't stop swearing. It's funny you say that about parrots. I was in London the other day and I saw a guy walking along with a rucksack on with a parrot in it and it was see-through. Was he a pirate? No, he was a bit eccentric. <laughs> he was kind of eccentric and I kind of felt sorry for the parrot. It looked a little bit squashed, but anyway. So what, it was in like a see-through bag? Yeah, it was kind of like a plastic shell, and the parrot was in the shell, and it was a real parrot moving around. It was a rucksack. But I'm just going to ask this question because it's you. Are you sure it wasn't a rucksack with a parrot picture on it? That was absolutely a real real parrot. Okay. Yeah, I I just want to make sure. I actually did go over to him as well. I'd had a few beers, and I was like, is that a parrot? Yeah, anyway. Of course you did. Mm. What what, what, what a meeting of minds. Yeah. (laughs) What a chat that was. Is that a parrot? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, Tara. Great. And then I think I actually asked him. Then I went, went, how'd you get it in there? And he was like, then I thought, how'd you get it out? And then he told me that. (laughs) Then I went on. So, parrot is swearing. Where's he learning the words from? What What are the words? Right, so this is back in 1845. Uh, so Andrew Jackson was known to have a you know a large propensity to swear. So we're we're talking the whole collection here, um, and obviously parrots kind of just pick up on the words that you say most. If you're going to swear a lot, so is your parrot. So uh, the funeral was at Jackson's home, which is why the parrot was there. The parrot wasn't specially bought in in a rucksack or anything like that. Um, I and was yeah. going to ask because it seems like a strange invitation to a funeral to like, you know, oh, should we bring the parrot? Yeah, yeah it does, might as well. Yeah. He was the president after all. <laughs> uh, so this is what uh, Reverend William Menefee Normit, who was there, wrote. He said, before the sermon and while the crowd was gathering, a wicked parrot that was a household pet got excited and commenced swearing so loud and so long as to disturb the people and it had to be carried from the house. Do we know the words? Uh, we don't know the exact words, but I think you can probably imagine them, Connor. Do you know what would be quite they're, funny? They're all the ones we can't say on this podcast because they'll just get beeped out. Do you know what would be quite far- funny? Bum. The, the, the parrots, that, what did he say? <laughs> Bum. Bum. The parrots there. Bum. and he's, Bum he, and poo. He's saying loads of swear words <laughs> all related to his wife's name. And he's just completely dobbed in. The parrots dobbed the dead man in it all. Well, I'm fairly certain there's stories, isn't there, of like parrots that have dobbed in cheating partners because they've said stuff. Yeah, yeah big along fan. those lines. The, be- the best I ever heard was when I believe I- this on, is he- just entirely from memory. I'm not sure if it's actually true or not, uh, but I believe a parrot was, or might, might have been a minor bird or something, was um, like provided as witness testimony in like a court case. What? That's brilliant. 
when you say because I think it like it, it, it overheard a murder or something, and so like that like obviously when it repeats what it heard, and it was like ah no, don't kill me or whatever. When you say minor bird, are you talking more like budgie? No, I mean like a a, a minor bird is a is a type of is a sort of kind of like a. Uh, like exotic toucan or something. Yeah, oh. makes noises. I anyway, they're really good at talking. They look like parrots. Smaller bird. Budgie. Budgie. This is from BBC News, 20th of July, 2017. A woman has been found guilty of shooting her husband five times in a murder case witnessed by a parrot. The parrot repeated the words, don't shoot in the victim's voice. And uh, it was an African grey named Bud. Uh, was apparently not used in the court. He wasn't used in court proceedings, but... His testimony was. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. That's crazy. You're not having that. Well, well I'm having that because it happened, but it's pretty <laughs> mad. Isn't One it? step too far, right? It. It's a little bit, little bit mental. Apparently, it's the closest that any animal has ever been to acting as a witness in court. Listen, thank you very much for listening to the show. Uh, had good fun, Ethan Lawrence. Uh, your horrible histories is out right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, an episode came out in sort of the, in celebration of COP26. Uh, it's called uh, Precious Planet. It's now available on the iPlayer. Uh, it's listed as Series 9, Episode 4. I think it's my first episode of Horrible Histories. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's good good, good stuff in there. Lovely. Make sure you have a look. Obviously, Bad Education, uh, Afterlife, new series coming out. They're all on Netflix. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot everywhere. There's a new series for Afterlife, I think, at some point in the next... I don't know. It's coming. It's happening. Ethan Lawrence, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, no problem at all. No problem at all. Say goodbye, Connor. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Mark. Goodbye. What have we learned this week? Well, you can get an IKEA ferry. Uh, Jorah Mormont from Game of Thrones only walks around in flip-flops. And if you were to get a Lamborghini tractor, make sure it is pig turd brown. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.